get at it. Amen. Now we preached on hope last week. Verse number one. We're going to take a verse every month and preach on hope. Oh, by the way, this is, this is widow giving Sunday. And, and of course, we don't, we, the, the offering deals is there in the back. The box is there. But I want to just remind you that we'll be splitting all the offering between the widows of this church today. And so I hope it'll be a blessing to you widows once you know we love you and care about you and, uh, and appreciate you in the Lord. Well, let's take off. Now, we preached on verse number one last week. We're going to go verse by verse. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. And we preached on that, didn't we? Christ is our hope. Uh, the church is not my hope. Amen. Denomination is not my hope. Money is not my hope. U.S. government is not my hope. Amen. God, my hope. Amen. And my hope is a well-founded, well-grounded, knowing that what God said he would do, he will do. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I'll tell you what, everybody else may be gone, but he'll never be gone. Amen. And then, so now he takes off to Timothy. He's writing to Timothy, this young preacher. He said, unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith. I'd be honest with you. Most of the time, a preacher will have a father in the faith. All right. Now, I'm going to tell you mine, and I don't mind being Danny's too, but Oscar Cunningham was kind of my father in the faith. He was the man that influenced me probably as much as anybody in the Lord. And he used to call me his son in the faith. I'm just going to be honest with you. He'd say, he'd say, son, son. And he has a reason for that. And I'd be honest with you. When we were building this church, we, had, we made a big old uh, wooden altar out here in the woods. And Oscar come up one day and say, I, I hate to tell you all this. And I don't tell nobody. You folks online don't tell nobody. But I ain't never been ordained in ordination service. And I've never had a license to preach. So you're all in big trouble here. <laughs> but I have been ordained of God. Amen. But uh, I believe in laying on hands of the presbytery. And I'd never had an ordination service. And so Oscar happened to come by one day. We was building this church. And that was, I said, Oscar, I've never had hands laid on me and prayed over me as ordination. I said, why don't me, I said, would you care if we just have a little ordination service, me and you? And boy, he said, amen, brother, we'll do that. Went out there and Oscar laid his hands. He got on the other side of the altar and I got on this side and we knelt down, put his hands on my head. And boy, I tell you what, he prayed to heaven down. And he prayed, God, use this boy, use this property. I will tell you, how many ever heard of B.R. Lake? If you, ain't heard, if you ain't heard B.R. Lakin, you need to hear, you can go on YouTube and hear B.R. Lakin preach. He's an old time preacher. Yeah. B.R. Lakin used to preach on uh, uh, Jerry Falwell's deal back when, when, that was, when that was godly and right and good and, and doing right. Boy, old Jerry Falwell would have him come up and preach. And he preached up there. Well, I went to a conference up there in 1982 or three, and B.R. Lakin was there. I mean, there's five, six, ten thousand people in that auditorium. I have no earthly idea. It's bigger. I mean, you get lost in just an auditorium. And that night, B.R. Lakin preached. I never will forget what he did. You, you can laugh this off. You can think, I oh, sloughed this off if you want to. But I'm getting in Paul's Timothy here now, my son Timothy. Well, I never, I never had, had had that situation. And, and B.R. Lakin, never will forget, he come out like this from the pulpit, getting ready to close the service. He said, I don't know why I'm going to do this. But he said, I believe there's some young preacher boy here. God's called to preach. And God told me, he said, if you'll come out to lay your hands on you and pray for you. I'll tell you, it's just like the Spirit of God came down from heaven and said, he's talking about you. I want you to go down and have B.R. Lake and put his hands on you and pray for you. Boy, I mean, I stood there just kind of fighting that off. You know, trying to make sure this is not just something. And I kept waiting for somebody else to step out. Nobody stepped out. And it went on. He said, I don't know where you're at. don't know who you are. He said, God told me to pray for you tonight for God's power. 
And boy, finally, after you know, two or three minutes, a long time during a time like that. I don't know how long it was, but boy, I stepped out, and there's a long walk to the back of that church. I walked all the way down there. He saw me coming and be all just walking down the pulpit, stepped down there like that. Just took his hands, laid upon my head. Just prayed, God, please use this boy for your glory's sake. There's something to having a son in the faith. Everybody in this building needs to lead somebody to Christ. I, I'm going to say something this morning. I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about ladies. You, 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 uh, Salter girls, you know that lady right there had an influence on you. For Christ. She's your mama in the faith, isn't she? Terry Walt Tyson. There's somebody you can affect. There's somebody you can affect for Jesus Christ's sake. You know, I'm telling you right now, you don't know the little boy you're rocking in your arms. You don't know the child you're carrying in your womb. I'm telling you. And I will say this to you. Boy, you need to pray. Oh, God, use them. By the way, we had a thank you card from the Nautiluses back there. And we're just glad that you're safe. And I know things will maybe never be exactly like that. There's two things going against you. One's the accident. The other's your age. <laughs> Amen. But thank you for the card. And we pray that God will bless you. We love you and appreciate you. But I want to tell you something. You need to have a son in the faith. You need to have a son in the faith. You don't know who to, uh, I, I could say some things. I, I, I'm not going to because I just don't feel the liberty to say them concerning uh, Brother Oscar and some things that life that way. But, boy, I'm going to tell you something. You need a son in the faith. You need somebody that uh, loved you. I'm going to tell you something. He loved me when my hair was down to my shoulders. He loved me when I was a five-year-old boy, but he loved me when I was a 22-year-old rebel. And you need somebody that will love you through all the junk of your life. Paul said, Timothy, my son, own son of the faith. I'll, I'll, I hope you'll grab hold of that statement. It means something to me. Then he said this. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I want to tell you something this morning. The first thing you need is Grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. I want to tell you, if salvation in Christianity is based upon grace, it's not based upon... I've been studying a little bit. I'm reading a book that a former Mormon lady wrote. It's over here in the library. You probably get it. But it's got about 50 or 70 things that you need to know about that Mormons don't want you to know till after they've sucked you into their organization. She was raised. She's, in fact, her, her generations goes clear back to Brigham Young. Her daddy at 53 years of age brought in a, 50, a 15-year-old girl as the second wife to, their, to, his, to her mother. Then he wound up marrying that girl's sister. And she tells all what's going on underneath in the Mormon church. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me right now. They're different. When they, they'll tell you that they're, they believe in being saved by grace. But you know what their Book of Mormon says? You're saved by grace after all you can do. That's not grace. Grace is totally apart from anything you'll ever do to earn salvation. You cannot earn salvation. And we don't preach some false grace. By the way, Catholicism, definition of grace is unbiblical. Mormonism, all the religions of the world, apart from this Bible right here, they don't, when they say grace, they don't mean what God means. God said it in Romans chapter 11, verse number four, if it be by grace, then it's no more works. And he said, if it's of works, it's no more grace. You cannot have grace and works mixed together in any manner, shape, or form. Now, we're going to work because we have grace, but we're not working to have grace. 
We work because we are saved, not to be saved. Amen. And Paul said to me, and by the way, if you want to get a good start in this thing, and if you're here today, get grace. By the way, it's not just grace to get saved. It's grace to live for Jesus after you're saved. Amen. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. He said, God's grace was sufficient unto me. The Christian life is a life of grace. And grace, why don't we listen to me? Grace takes away your pride. You ain't got nothing to brag about no more whenever grace gets a hold of you. And you say, I'm just saved by the grace of God. I'm going to have a home in heaven by the grace of God. I'm living day by day by the grace of God. And it becomes grace, becomes everything to you. John Newton wrote, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And that's what grace will do is make you know you're a wretch. You should have been in hell and you know it. If you don't know that, you're dishonest with yourself. But God's grace was abounding toward us. And where sin abounded, grace did much more appear. Amen. I'm going to tell you something right now, Christianity. And you know what Paul's doing with Timothy? He's setting his his setting his ministry in grace. And you need your ministry set in grace. We're telling everybody, if you be good, you'll go to heaven. That's not true. Christ died for sinners. Amen. And I'll tell you right now, every false religion and every canker denomination there is, is because they get grace messed up. They either redefine it and make it say something and mean something that it does not, or they add all their rules and regulations to it. Then he said, mercy, mercy, grace, and then mercy. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We're saved by mercy. What mercy does is funny to me because mercy is almost left out of the vocabulary of Christianity in America anymore. You are not ever going to be saved, cannot be saved apart from the mercy of God. The only prayer I know of in the Bible where you see a sinner's prayer is this. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to tell you why we got so many false converts sitting in our church houses, putting on the dog like they're Christian, because number one, they never experienced the grace of God. Number two, they don't, they, they're so proud, they don't want to act like they need mercy. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. What we've done, we've substituted the power of the Holy Ghost and the, and the message of the gospel by telling people, if you'll come forward and repeat a prayer after me, God will save you. I'm going to tell you right now, you'll not get saved unless you experience the mercy of God. But nobody, listen to me, appreciates mercy or understands mercy unless you, first of all, know that you're a guilty, wicked, sorry, low-down, hell-deserving sinner. I'm telling you right now, I want to ask you a question. When you supposedly got saved... Did you get God's mercy or did you just say, well, I did my little religious ritual. I said the little prayer. I got myself baptized and now I'm on my way to heaven. You're going to bust hell wide open. That's why I'm sick to death of all these false churches in this country. They swinging people up to the altar, swinging people into their deal through a false gospel and they don't, you know, they're cocky. They walk into church when they feel like it. They act like they've done God a favor to show up. They act like they're doing God a favor to walk and exist. They walk out of church, you're not interested in God the rest of the week. God, get out of my life and don't tell me how to live. I'm going to live my own life. I'm telling you right now, the reason we don't have America that we used to have is because we forgot the concept of mercy. If it's not for the mercy of God, you're going to bust hell wide open. And I mean that. Ministry must be based upon grace and upon the mercy of God. I want to ask you a question. 
When's the last time you ever heard anybody who claimed to get saved ask for mercy? Did you ask for mercy? What saved you? Oh, you did a God a favor by walking up an aisle and kneeling down and saying a little prayer? That never saved nobody. Now, if you came forward or you was at the milk barn, I don't care where you was at. I led a lady to the Lord on a plane one time. It's not leading, it's not influencing somebody to a religion. But I'm telling you right now, the person who gets mercy is a totally different person than a religious person. You see, when I got saved, there's something I knew. I knew it. I don't, 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 I, I, it was the work of the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost, my daddy couldn't have talked to me in the milk barn and convinced me of this. My mama couldn't have sat me down at the kitchen table, Brother Jim, and convinced me of this. I'd have bucked. I'd have put up my, I'd have put up my wall. And I'd have walked out. But when the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the living God, comes upon you and, and to you and say, you are a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. You're going to hell. It's all ritual. It's all religion. It's false. You never, you, you think because you're a decent person. You think because you don't do this and because you hide your sin from it and you think this and that. I want to tell you something. Mercy wasn't even in my vocabulary about being saved at that time. But when I saw I was a sinner, and I saw I was a hypocrite. Buddy, I'm going to tell you something. I began looking for mercy. And I want to tell you something. Not, watch this, not by works of righteousness, which we do, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. David said, God be merciful. All the way through the Bible, men, women who got saved cried for the mercy of God. And I'm going to tell you, there's a door of mercy that's open this morning. But there'll be a day when that door is shut. And there's no more an opening of mercy. There comes a day when God's mercy is shut off. And I'm telling you today, if we want a a, a church that's right, a church that's biblical, we've got to preach grace. We've got to preach that we need the mercy of God. Amen. I want to ask you, you cocky and arrogant? You say you got saved, but your life's not changed. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you some rough stuff. Whosoever is a friend of this world is the enemy of God. It's the Bible. Friendship with the world is enmity toward God. I want to ask you, are you a friend of the world? Whose side are you on on this thing? Whose side are you on? No, I'm going to tell you something you need to know about God Almighty. God Almighty gave his son Jesus Christ to suffer and die and bear the sins of the entire world at the cross of Calvary. And if you think for a moment that he's going to share his glory with you and I, you lost your mind. And if you think for a moment that God gave his son to redeem you from all iniquity, and to separate himself of people under God, that God's going to play Mickey Mouse religion with you, you're, you're so deceived by the devil, it ain't even funny. Yeah. 
This is not a game. I'm not up here to lick you with religious molasses this morning. I want you to go to heaven. I don't want you to die and go to hell being deceived. And Paul is telling Timothy, it's grace and it's mercy before you ever get to peace. It's the third thing he mentions in that verse. Grace has to come. That grace is manifested by the mercy of God. God has mercy. By the way, watch this now. God just doesn't say, ah, oh, it's okay. Y'all just you know, forget about your sin. That sin has to be paid for in his son. That's where your faith comes in. That faith in Jesus Christ, that's the basis upon what God gives you mercy. I want to ask you again. Has there been in your life that realization? That, now, you, I, I will be honest with you. You might have gotten saved and not realized how much mercy God's had on you. Amen. I'll be honest with you, I didn't. But I'm going to be honest with you. You need, you need that. You need every day of your life to know that you breathe by the mercy of God. That you live by the mercy of God. Oh, listen, tell you something. Just, I tell you, be honest about the mercy of God. I'm in church this morning. Amen. By the mercy of God, I know the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything's by mercy. But I want to tell you right now, your salvation is by mercy. You, you don't, what does mercy mean? It means that you deserved hell, you deserved punishment, you were guilty, but God had mercy. You didn't do, you didn't do anything to deserve the forgiveness of sin. It was through faith in Jesus Christ. It's all mercy. But you know what our problem is? We're too cocky. See, that's why we, don't, that's why we shy away from mercy. We deceive ourselves and think we're good people. Mercy. Well... That's what he, he said, grace, mercy, and then peace. Now, let me just tell you something. That's in the exact order the Holy Ghost puts it in the Bible. You'll never have peace until you've experienced grace and mercy. When you experience the God's grace and God's mercy, then you have peace. In Romans chapter 5, where we said this morning, therefore being justified what? By, 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 by the blood of Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have peace? Because of the grace of God and the mercy of God. Now, I want to tell you all something. Now, it's beautiful fall weather out, right? Beautiful fall weather. You ought to go out this, this before it gets real cold. Get in the woods. Ride your bicycle out there. Walk out there. Ride your four-wheel or whatever. And get along with God and just spend time with God. And say, Lord, I want to thank you for your mercy. God, get real with me. God, speak to me. Speak to my heart. God, make me value your mercy. Then he continues, he said, grace and peace be upon God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to watch the personal of this, verse number three. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some, that they teach no other doctrine. I want you to notice there, he said, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. I got an old saying in my soul, it's called this. Be steady in the storm. Paul told Timothy something. Abide at a place. I can see Timothy saying, but Paul, there's some folks there that don't like me. Paul, I think I could do better somewhere else. I'm just going to be honest with you. You need to just get settled and rooted and grounded in the faith. Get where God wants you to be and get at serving God. Amen. 
abide. Abide. Average preacher stay, Brother Danny, is 2.1 years in America right now. You listen to me. You know what Jeremiah said? I love it. God told Jeremiah, said, don't you be afraid of their faces. I wonder why the Holy Ghost put that in the Bible for. You don't suppose somebody look at you ugly while you're preaching, do you? I want to tell you what I can do. I've been doing this long. I can almost tell you within months when you'll be leaving this church by the expression on your face. I'm just I, can, I can see the start of it. I can see the manifestation of it. And I, but I want to tell you something. Uh, listen, the one thing I told God, I said, don't, I, a lot of, if I'll preach, but I said, you got to take any fear out of me. Because see, I was always afraid of what people thought about me. I want people to think well of me. I want people to like me. But you can't be a preacher and be, and be that way. You, you can't be afraid of their faces. They'll look back at you and they'll come. And then they'll do this. And then they'll crawl back in their corner and, and, and they've got the, yeah, sky, they remind me of the, and they got this, and they make sure they're positioned where nobody else can see them. That's, that's the thing I love about it. I, you're a real champ, amen? You're a real champ. I mean, it, you know, I, I'm just telling you, listen, you can't be afraid of, and it doesn't mean that they're necessarily terrible people. They just, they're just not right with God or, or something. And they're messed up. But you can't be afraid of people's faces. Anyway, he said, abide in Ephesus. No matter what's going on, he said, I told you about there. He said, thou mightest charge, son. Now, I like that word charge in the Bible. Charge! Don't you ever seen the Calvary? Charge! Well, this charge here is like uh, Joshua. Moses gave Joshua a charge. And you know what? Kids need a charge. I'm going to charge you kids this morning. Live for God. I don't charge you young parents today. Get hooked up with God. Get hooked up with the church. Get hooked up with the Bible. Amen. Amen. Make up your mind. A charge is like a, your, your, when in marriage vows, I don't know whether you know this or not, but there's the, what they call the charge vows. You're charged before God with these vows and keeping these vows. People need a charge. He said, I charge thee that, that, that charge something they teach no other doctrine. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Doctrine is important. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm all for praise and worship, you know, as long as it's true praise and worship. But I'm going to tell you something. Praise and worship ain't going to help you when you're going through the storm. You're going to need doctrine. Amen. When you're by yourself and there's nobody hooping and hollering, nobody flashing the lights, and none of that other junk, you're going to need to know some truth that will sustain you through the storms yeah. of life. And by the way, we're going to talk about doctrine, the fundamental doctrine. When you read that book we've sent out, 52 booklets, you're talking about doctrine in there, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation, the justification, reconciliation, and on and on it goes. And the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the, and the doctrine of Christian living and so forth. And he said, I don't want anybody teaching any of this. Now watch verse number four. What it says here, he said, neither give heed to fables. How many's ever heard of Aesop's fables? I'm going to tell you a little story about Aesop's fables. Aesop's fables are not, you know, they're not just terrible. It's not like his, but you know what they were put out? They were put out to replace. Um, what's, the, what's the early American books that were taught? Uh, somebody help me. The McGuffey Readers. You listen to me good right here. This is how the devil worked. Aesop's fables had a lot of good character and, you know, good stories and moral stories. I want to tell you something right now. Morality won't save you. And what America did in its early age, early time was it shifted from the Bible and Jesus Christ to good books. By the time I was in first grade, guess what I was reading? Dick and Jane. How many of you ever read Dick and Jane? 
stupidest bunch of garbage you ever read in your life. Absolute brainless garbage. Absolute stupid brainless garbage. Dick fell down the hill. Jane walked down the hill. That's what it was. Brainless junk. I'm going to tell you something further. I'm all for character, studying character, but character will not save you. The blood of Jesus has to save you. And what we've got going in now in school systems is we're, we're, we're character training. We're, we're, going to be, uh, we're going to be diligent this month. You can be diligent 55 years and die and go to hell. You need Christ. I'm going to tell you a little secret. With Christ comes character. He said, I charge and teach no other doctrine. Now, he said, fables. We'll all go and get you one. How do you like this fable here? Brother Brandon, there's a guy named Joel Smith. And Joseph Smith said God talked to him, told him all the rest of the religions of the world was fake and phony and no good. And then God told him there's some plates over in the hill to go dig those plates up. And he said there'd be, it was writing on them plates, but I'm going to give you the only one going to be able to read those plates. And so Joe Smith took his, he took his hat and his seer stone, now this is truth, took his hat and his seer stone, put it over his face, and he talked while people recorded the Book of Mormon. He dug him up. And the Book of Mormon is a fable. A total fable. Your Bible talks about it. Paul told Timothy, he said, you keep your congregation away from fables. I'm going to give you another fable being taught to every American school child. Darwinism is a fable. Evolution is a fable. Not a string of truth in it. But taught like it's just, a, I mean, they have, taught to the point of where if you don't believe it, you're an idiot. Your Bible talks about this stuff. I want to ask a question. What, where, where were preachers at when that junk started coming into America? When those fables, can I tell you, it's a fable that Mary intercedes for you. Mary ain't interceding for nobody. Can I tell you, it's a fable that the Pope's infallible. Can I tell you, Catholicism full of fables. Cults are full of fables. Did you know Islam, the book of Islam is a fable? It's a fable. All you Muslims look straight at me. It's a fable. And you're going to die and go to hell believing a fable. And what America does, we, we replace the Bible in our schools and the Bible in our churches even with fables. Can I just tell you the average church in America is filled with denominational fables. Well, let's keep going. In endless genealogies. Guess what the Mormon church likes to do? <laughs> Study genealogy. This girl in her deal, she's talking about, she, she went in the first time to the temple, she was baptized for 20 or 25 people she was baptized the dead for. And then you're supposed to look up genealogies and figure out all these people you want to be baptized for. So they might have a chance. You know, it's an awful bunch of fables. You ever seen endless genealogies, study, and, uh, which minister questions. Now, here's something you can learn real good. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you're going to minister now. He said, stay away. He said, you get that grace, you get that mercy, you get that peace. He said, you get that sound doctrine. All right, no other doctrine. Verse number three. <clears throat> he said, now, he said, don't you give no heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions. Now, you listen to me. Stuff that's taught or preached that does nothing but minister questions 
And can I ask you a question? <laughs> the very first instance of Satan in the Bible was a ministering of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yea, hath God said. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And anything that, watch this, that makes a person question the veracity and the truth of the Bible is dangerous. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Well, I'm telling you right now, I love this book. Amen. Amen. This old book's got it right here. It'll tell you, I'll tell you what it's like. Take a trip and it says, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. You don't go. This is the way to go. You go here. Amen. I, you know, I ain't got a note with me this morning. Amen. Aren't you glad of that? That's dangerous. Amen. <laughs> All right. He said, which minister questions rather than godly edifying. Can I tell you something? When you come into church, you need some godly edifying. Amen. Edifying means to encourage and to strengthen and to, and to redouble up the efforts and encourage people in the Lord. Amen. Don't come in here with questions and questions and questions and all come in here godly edifying. That means it'd be based upon the word of God. And then he said in verse number five, now watch this. Oh, Lord, help me. My flesh wants to jump verse number five. How many have ever read the Bible you want to jump a verse? Because that verse hits you right between the eyes. All right, he says, now verse number five, now the end of the commandment is charity. What? Now I want to tell you what Paul was dealing with Timmy big time about as we go into this thing. He knew that Paul would be dealing with people who wanted to get away from grace and add works and legality and the law to grace, Okay. They'd say Christ died on the cross, but they wanted to add keeping the law, being circumcised, whatever it might be. They wanted to add that to be saved. And so he's really warning him. Now he's really saying, you've you got to watch this, Timothy. That'll slip into your church. By the way, <clears throat> I will just tell you this. There's probably nine out of ten denominations in America that do not believe grace totally saves you. Nine out of ten denominations don't believe that it's all grace. They believe your performance is what if not saves you, at least keeps you saved. And that's adding works to grace, okay? It's unbiblical. Now, he said the end of the commandment is charity. I love this. <clears throat> what is charity? Well, it's defined in 1 Corinthians 15. It says charity. It said you can, you, you can uh, uh, have your body burned, have, no, have charity. It said you can give everything you got to the poor and not have charity. It said you can speak in tongues till the cows come home, not have charity. You can prophesy and not have charity. Here's what it says. Now, don't need, you don't need anybody to define it but God. Charity is kind, suffereth long, envieth not, vaunteth not itself up, is not easily puffed up, thinketh no evil, endureth all things. It goes on and on. Now, he said the end of the commandment is charity. All right, let's practice a little bit. So we've got the law, okay? God says, get, here's, here's where Paul said, Timothy, you need to take the church to. Well, this is good. Take them to the end of the law to get charity. Because if you get charity, they won't need the law. Now, how many knows that if you're driving 60 in a 65, you don't need the law? The law has no effect on you. Right? How many of you driving 60 to 65 are worried looking in the rearview mirror all the time for the cops? <laughs> not unless you got dope in your car. You're not. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. And the only reason you're driving 60 is because you don't want to get stopped. <laughs> but anyway, but see, if you're, if, here's the deal. If you're abiding in the law, you're not worried about, see, now here's the, here's the deal. Watch this. What is your motivation for driving 60 and a 65? So you don't get a ticket? 
Should that be the highest motive? What's the highest motive for driving 60 to 65? Biden in the law. Doing right. Well, let me ask you a question. Why would anybody put a 65 mile an hour limit on any road? I mean, Cherokee Road out there, it's just got a few twists and turns in it. Why is it 75 and 80? What's the safety? The reason there's speed limits basically is for, why, why do they put 20 mile an hour in school zones? Because there could be some little kids running out there. And they're interested in their safety. Even 40 is dangerous if a kid comes out in front of you, right? Here's where God wants to take you and I. God does not want me to be faithful to that woman because I might reap bad sowing. God wants me to be faithful to her in love. God wants me to be faithful to her because I love her. See, the highest law, the highest is love. Charity. If you can get to where you, what, I want to ask you, Don Zinn, have you ever robbed a bank? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Brother Lawson, have you robbed a bank? Why haven't you robbed a bank? Now watch it. Now here we go. Here we go. Now listen. She said it's against the law. Is that a good reason not to rob the bank? Yeah? Better than nothing. <laughs> What's the highest reason to not rob the bank? What are you doing when you rob the bank? You're stealing other people's money. Now here's where Christianity is. I'm telling you this is where Christianity wants to take you. It takes you to a higher way of life. That you don't do it just because it's against the law. Shucks, I wish I could commit adultery, but it's against the law, Kenny. How'd you like for him to love you just because he couldn't do it? Why do you, what, what do you, what's the one thing, sister, that you want out of oh, that old boy right there? Well, I don't know how you hooked him, but you did a good job. I mean, he's a good guy. He did a pretty good job himself. But I want to ask you something, you, young couple. Why do you want... What's the highest motivation for him being faithful to you? Love. That's where God wants to take us. Not just because it caused problems. Watch, the, watch this. Well, we're going to stay together for the kids' sake. I want to tell you why you need to stay together. It's for his sake. Because you love the Lord. I can take this to any issue you want to talk about today. Any issue you want to talk about. You say, where is Paul tell what, what is why do I go to that side of the church more? <laughs> that must be the meanest group over there. <laughs> They're needing the preaching worship. What any issue that you want to talk about, if you and I could get here, then I'm gonna drive like I ought to drive because I love people. I don't want to hurt nobody. I don't want to be a bad example to anybody. I don't want, I, if, if somebody gets killed me driving, it ain't going to be because I was crazy. I was pulling out my mama's this morning and this white Ford truck, boom, I mean, this guy flying up Sea Highway. I got up here about four miles and he pulled off. I don't know, big hurry to get somewhere to do nothing. Yeah. And I want to tell you something, I thought to myself, boy, man better look twice. 
because he can be on you like that. I am telling you, here's where God wants to take any church, is that we do right because we love God. We don't lie to people. How many of you husbands want your wife to lie to you? I want to tell you something right now. You listen to me good. You want to tear your marriage up, just lie to your spouse. I don't care how bad it is, honey. Just tell me the truth. Amen. Don't lie to me. Because if you lie to me, you've told me instantly you don't love me. And then you've crushed that. You've, you've really hurt that, that relationship. Here I am again. I'm telling you, this is big stuff. This, this ain't no little stuff here. This is the real deal. And Paul's telling Timothy how to pastor a church. He says, you lead those people out of law and you lead them up to love. And he said, if you can get to Now watch this one. Why should I get along with Caleb? Why should I get along with somebody in church? I like Caleb. But I'm going to use him for an example. But let's say that Caleb, every time he came in church, he went, mmm, at me. (laughs) Don't do that. Please don't do that. But what if every time he came to church, I mean, all I look forward to was seeing Caleb go, mmm. Now, there's ways of going, mmm, without going, mmm. Okay. Don's in. Okay, Don's in. I want to ask you a question. Why should you love Don Zinn? Give me three reasons. <laughs> three? Huh? Three. Three. Give me, yeah, I want three. <laughs> I mean, this was real. It was three. <laughs> Why should you love anybody? Why should you keep going to church with anybody? Why should you keep coming to church when people treated you wrong? Why should you keep coming to church when you don't like what the preacher preaching? It made you mad. Why should you keep coming to church? Love the Lord. You love the Lord. If you don't get there, you'll not be here. If you don't get there, you'll not be there. Was that good English? You gotta, you gotta get it. I love those people. I don't like the way they act. I don't like what they've done. I don't like what they've said. I don't like that preacher's mannerisms. Why does he yell all the time? Why does you would not believe over forty years how many times I've had people say, "Why do you have to holler all the time?" (laughs) I'm serious with you. I've had a bunch of. You know, get out of source yourselves. What's the problem? Well, first thing is, why do you have to holler at us all the time? I don't know. God said, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Let my people know their sins. Amen. Cry aloud, spare not. It's what the Bible said. I don't know. That's just preaching. It doesn't mean it's good preaching. It can be sorry preaching loud. I've seen guys preach quiet. Boy, I mean, the spirit of God, just like a freight train going through the I'm serious with you. But where'd Caleb go? Oh, there he is. <laughs> I was looking right back and I thought that rascal left. <laughs> Have you come up with three reasons why I love Don Zinn yet? God says to. God says to. He's had a good influence on my life. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. 
Really? Amen. He said he has been a good influence on my life. And he hasn't got the third one yet. Keep working on it. You know what God wants you to do? It's, man, it's 12.05. We're going to quit. Jeremy's going to preach tonight. I want, you, I want you to do something before you leave church here today. I want you to ask God to give you, to raise you higher. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. You know what I want you to do? I want you to leave in higher ground spiritually when you got here. Say, Lord, there's some people not easy for me to love. But you said, Lord, to love them. And I want to live on that higher ground. You, you'll have got something out of church if you can do that. Amen. God, oh, get a hold of this. God does not want you entangled in the weeds and the briars of legalism yeah. and law. Because yeah. if you can get to where you love, you won't need the law. God's going to show you later on in that chapter. He's going to lead you out of, don't do this, 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 do this, do this, do this, do this. And when he leads you in the law of love, you know, I... I, I Hannah, I don't go around every day, son. Shucks. God said to stay together till death do us part. Boy, I wished I didn't have to obey that law. I'm just under law. I wish God didn't say thou shalt not kill because I'd kill a bunch of them. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to live under that, amen? Amen. And God said, listen, this is Christianity. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is true Christianity. It's not do this, do this, do this, do this, look like this, dress like that, do that, do that, do that, do that, do that. You get into love and that stuff will not be a problem to you. And if you've got a problem with God's laws and God's statutes and God's judgments, it's because you do not love him and others like you should. Let's stand. Well, don't let me forget where I quit at, brother. Amen. And, uh, but let's pray right now. How many say, Brother Reggie, I want, I want to be on higher ground. I want to love. I don't want to tangle law. I mean, just, <laughs> I was a druggie whenever I was a boy. Van was a druggie. My kids were druggies. I drug them to church. My mom and dad drugged me to church. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the difference is, and I'm not joking you. You say, Reggie, can I tell you right now that if I didn't live, at least in some realm of God's love, you couldn't drag this old boy to church with a log chain and a tractor. Can I tell you something else? If God hadn't put the love of God to shed abroad in my heart, you think, you think I'd buy, can I say there's better paying jobs than preaching? <laughs> About anything. <laughs> if you're going in for the money, you better get a hold of Kenneth Copeland or somebody because Reg ain't got the answer to that. But love will, love will make you want to go to church. Love will make it. Love will just get rid of all that stuff, and you don't feel like I have to do this and I have to do that. And if I don't do that, mom and dad, you'll think this and blah 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 slop. Why don't we pray and say, God, would you please shed abroad the love of God in my heart? Because I don't have it within myself. It's got to come from God. I just pray that you would pray that prayer this morning, Brother Terry Coates. Would you come up here for just a minute, please? I don't aggravate you a little bit.
Oh, Terry, I, I don't know why, but I always remember the first day he walked into church. Now, I don't remember Diane particularly, but the reason I remember him, because he used to run around with Jay Fleetwood. <laughs> now, I want you to take a good look at this guy. Come here, Terry. Now, some of you know him, but if you didn't really know him, and he came in, you know, does he not look like a pool-playing sharpshooter? <laughs> Looks like he could whip, a, you know, whip somebody. He come walking in at church, you know, and I'd seen him at a revival meeting, and I knew Jay Fleetwood was a pool shooter. Hey, Jay, you listen to this. <laughs> Linda, am I telling the truth or not? <laughs> about Jay Fleetwood. Are you listening to me and preach or not? <laughs> about your husband, Jay Fleetwood. Did he not used to play, shoot a lot of pool and, and, and be pretty rough? Did he like to fight? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> And he used to run around with him. Well, birds of feather flock together. <laughs> no, what I'm going to tell you is, and Terry, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to tell you, it's the honest truth. When I first met Terry, I'll tell you what, he, he, I thought, boy, I, tell you, I bet you he's a rough old dude in his day. He'd run around Jay Fleetwood. They, they, they'd get drunk and whoop people. That's what they did. <laughs> and I found out he was one of the tenderheartedest, Amen. kindest, helpful servants. You ever laid your eyes on him? We'll brag on you while you're living. Bless you, brother. And he's been a faithful soldier of the cross. Led, led, led men to Christ over in the jail. Go Wednesday night after Wednesday night after Wednesday night, storming, raining, snowing, to give those men the gospel. So you know what I've learned to do? My first, my first thought about him was, boy, he kind of a rough old boy. Boy, I've learned to love him. I've learned to love him. And when I, have, when, I th- when I think about him, I have good thoughts. Amen. And I love him in the Lord. And that's what, that's what Christianity will do for you. That's what Christianity will do for you. Terry, I want you to dismiss us in prayer today. Now I'm going to go back. Guess what I'm going to do? Now I don't hardly go back ever to the door. I'm going to go to the door over here. Because these folks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say. <clears throat> All I can say is love suffers long. <laughs> Carrie's going to dismiss it. I will be at this door over here. I ain't never went over that door and shook hands, but I'm going through today. Father, we thank you that you first loved us, Lord. We thank you that you proved that love, Lord, when you hung on that cross for our sins. You gave of yourself, Lord. Help us, Father, to be a conduit of that love to one another, Lord. Help us to love the lost. And help us, Lord, to love them enough to tell them the truth. We thank you for this message today, Lord, and help us to leave here today and put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen.